All right, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number seven. Coming at you from the Muay Thai house here in beautiful, sunny. Actually, today was kind of cooler, but beautiful San Diego, California. Um, really excited, as always, to uh, have some cool stuff to share with you today. And to kind of just go through and um, continue the awesomeness that is this podcast. Um, you may notice, is that, can you noticing how wobbly that is? This table seems to be really wobbly all of a sudden. There, I think I fixed it. Yeah, that's better. That's better. Um, oh, sorry. Sorry. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm excited today. There's a, a bunch of things that I want to talk about. Um, first of all, I thought the interview yesterday went really well with Dennis. I went back and watched the whole thing. Hopefully you had a chance to, to take a look at that um, and, uh, and watch through and, and kind of hear some of the the takes on, on what I was talking about in, in that first episode or that third episode, I should say. And I'm, I'm actually kind of interested that the episode three, as of today, and so let's check actually real quick. As of now, I believe we've hit over 500 views. Nope, almost. 499 views in three days, which I think, I don't know, that seems to be a lot, um, especially for something that's this brand new. So um, I'm excited for for what it means and for kind of what, what this might turn into in the future, and I'm really excited for, I'm really excited for some of the stuff that we have planned for the future. Um, so definitely, definitely should be looking forward to that. Um, as always, uh, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, here as well as there's a link to the iTunes podcast so you can just get the audio of this whole thing so go ahead and and subscribe to that as well and it will be awesome um so a couple of things as I mentioned before I have this running list of things that I want to talk about <laughs> and uh and today what I want to start out with is something I mentioned in the last in episode uh, four I think or five I think it was um, but I want to kind of dive into it a little bit because it's super interesting to me. And, uh, well, I really enjoy observing our culture, you know, like the way that we interact with each other, the way that we react, um, to each other and, and sort of how everything comes together. And it's always sort of surprised me how there's this, there's a pattern. Well, I guess it, it surprised me at first, but over, over the course of, you know, time, it's become less and less surprising. There's this pattern when when things happen in the world. There's there's first of all what I like to call the the um, there's just the initial uh, news that comes out, so to speak, the initial story, right? And there's a culture that's developed developed around the story. And usually, it just has to do with something. It, it actually it could be anything. It doesn't really matter what the story is. But there's a culture that develops around a story that is um, usually in support of the story. And then you get, uh, or, or the situation or the paradigm or whatever it is, then almost inevitably there arises what I like to call the counterculture. Well, it's not just that I like to call it. That's actually what it's called. The counterculture, which is the, the reaction to the first thing. And then off of that, you have a reaction, which is called the counter counterculture, which is, that's, that's sort of where my made up stuff comes in. Because, um, you know, if like, for example, you've got, uh, let's take like gay marriage, for example, right? So gay marriage was a huge hot button topic 
in the United States probably three years ago, and it still kind of is to this day, but not as much considering the the uh, the, the Supreme Court ruling. But um, you had people who were started to t- who started to bring up this idea that that homosexuals had rights, right? So there's this there's a culture of of um, equal rights that's being generated in 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 the community, in the world, in the United States, you know, all all across what we're doing. Naturally, what develops as a result of there being that culture is a counterculture that says, no, you don't have rights, and here's why. Okay, so there's the, that's basically the opposite. Now, the only the, the culture and the counterculture are actually completely opposite of each other because the, what happens from there, and this goes on forever, this is what I'm about to explain to you. From the counterculture, counter counterculture appears and it's kind of on the side of the original culture but it's not it's exactly saying the same thing it's pivoting and attacking some point that the counterculture brought up so you know you've got group a which is the people that are talking about gay marriage you got group b that's saying no gay marriage is bad and you got group c which isn't necessarily saying that gay marriage is bad but they're attacking some of the things that group b is saying uh, are saying, I should say, and um, and and so there's there's it's, we just create this. It's a culture of counterculture, right? Where you 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 define who you are by what you stand against, as opposed to what you stand for. If that makes sense, and I think this has become more and more evident in the political system, especially because you'll notice, you know, you 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 identify um, more and more by who you don't like, even even right now. So we're talking about Trump versus Hillary, right? Uh, it, this same, by the way, the same exact thing happened when it was Obama versus uh, Bush. But it basically, you you identified yourself with who you liked least. So if you're if you like Trump less than you like Hillary, then you're going to vote for Hillary, or you support Hillary, right? Or if you if you like Hillary less than you like Trump, then you're going to vote for Trump. And most, most of what happens is people tend to just vote along party lines. So you got a lot of conservative Republicans that are eating up what Trump says, but mostly because they don't like Hillary, right? So it's not really that they like Trump. They, they say they do, and they'll support him. But a lot of it has to do with the fact that they just don't like Hillary. And it's the same thing in reverse. A lot of liberals, a lot of, of Democrats in this country, uh, just think that Trump is an idiot. They're not super hot on Hillary, but they're, <laughs> they're sure as heck not going to... I'm not going to vote for for Donald Trump, and so I think there's this there's it's interesting to me, and so I've come up with what I call metaculture, which is my own my own sort of isolated viewpoint or point of view vantage point I should say, which is um, observing both like all of the the cultures and the countercultures and the counter countercultures and just sort of taking stock. I don't really take sides in most arguments because I don't think I don't think it matters. In most instances, like a lot of like with gay marriage, I, I, I spent a lot of time just really torn about what what was, you know, one way or the other. And, and it, it comes down to the fact that for me personally, and I'm not saying that this is the case for everybody, but for, but for me personally, I, uh, su- I support my friends who want to get married. That's the extent of my argument. That's the extent of where I stand on it. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that we need to I don't necessarily think that we need to be super in people's faces about what's okay and what's not. But at the same time, it's like, it's not really my deal. 
You know, I, I, I like to observe what's happening, but I'm not going to throw my hat in the ring, mostly because I want to have productive, real conversations with people. I don't want to have conversations where it's me versus you or where I feel like uh, I have to defend myself against you because of the way that you're you're talking or that I'm going to I'm going to be discussing one thing with with person A and then person B is going to come in and sort of attack me from the side some little side point that I'll make so now I have to fight this battle on two fronts I just I'm not really into that um so it's interesting and I and I think the point the reason why I bring this up is I I think it's important to realize which of those categories you are falling into with their with the things that you're talking about and the things that your opinions and things and you need to make sure that you're not joining any of these cultures or countercultures or taking a side based solely on uh, the that negative sort of repercussion, right? So it's not just about, oh, what do I like least? Let me go the other way. Just decide what you want and then move forward. And in, it, that creates an interesting issue because right now in our country, there are two candidates most of which, if you were to, if you were to sit, I would, I would venture to guess that if you were to sit down uh, a representative um, slice, subset of the American population and ask them um, uh, who they would want for president, right? First of all, given this current paradigm, they, like I said before, they would all vote based on who they liked the least. They would probably say, well, I don't really like either of them, but I don't. I really don't like Trump or I really don't like Hillary Clinton. But if we were to say, if you could pick anyone in the, in the world to be president, who would it be? I think it, we would, we would have a different, uh, approach to the whole thing. And I, and honestly, I, this might seem kind of utopian of me, but it seems to me that what makes more sense is for us all just to write down who we think should be president and then just make that person be president. Right? So whoever gets the most votes essentially. Whoever gets the most nominations, right? Because um, that way we're acting positively. We're actually putting our vote in for what we want, not what we don't want the least, if that makes sense. Because nobody really gets what they want. And then no matter who gets elected, the whole country is going to be in an uproar. Because you have people that, you have on one hand, you have people that really support Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. Then you got people that hate Donald Trump. Then you got people that hate people that hate, that like Donald Trump. And then you got people on the other side who hate people that hate Donald Trump. And then you're going to have on the other side people that hate Hillary Clinton, right? The whole, it's basically, it's all based on negative. It's all based on the, on, on removing yourself from something that you think is negative, which I th- personally think is the wrong way to approach it. So I think it's, I think it's more, it's mostly just about, excuse me, getting to a place where, um, where the decisions that you make are are not based on what you, they're not based on what you don't want, but rather they're based on what you do want, if that makes sense. I think that's really important. So essentially, don't be part of the counterculture or the counter-counterculture. Be, join me, be part of the metaculture, and just understand what it is you actually want to have happen. Um, there's a lot more that we could go into on that, but I won't bore you with it. Um, what I do want to talk about, or gets actually, no, I'm gonna skip that one. I was gonna talk about, I was gonna go into language, but as, there's so much, there's so much that we could go into on that. Um, I want to talk about fear. This is a, this is a good one. This may span a couple of episodes, actually, um, and I think fear plays a huge part in what we were talking about before. But I want to kind of go deeper um, and talk about fear in 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 a in a much more practical sense. 
Okay, so first of all, fear is something that traditionally we, we, we try to avoid. We don't want to be scared. We don't want to be perceived as scared. And so we'll say things like, oh, don't be afraid. Um, don't be scared. It's okay. Right, all these things. But I think, first of all, fear is a, is a good thing. And understanding and recognizing what you're afraid of, I think, is, I think is a good thing because it, it's, it's a natural response to, to stimuli, right? It's the way our bodies work. It's the way our bodies were, have evolved and the way, the way they were, um, you could say the way they were designed is, you know, we, we, we need to fear certain things so that we don't just do anything so that, we, you know, we have some sort of, some sort of um, check on, on the desires that we have. But I think the key with fear is to, number one, understand it, and number two, know the difference between, um, between being afraid of something that's detrimental, be afraid of something you should be afraid of, and being afraid of something that you aren't familiar with, right? An experience that maybe you haven't had yet, or um, being in a situation that you're not comfortable with, right? Because there's a difference, I think, between being afraid of dying and being afraid of public speaking or being afraid of dying and being afraid of um, skydiving. That one you could probably argue is pretty similar. You're afraid of dying while skydiving. But the truth is, the fear is not actually of dying. I don't think with skydiving. I think the fear is of jumping, of, of completely releasing and, re- and relinquishing control over a situation. And in fact, I think probably most of the time, fear comes down to giving up control. We're afraid to give up control. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we should, we should want to be in control of our surroundings. But I think that as we continue to improve and mature as humans, we start to understand and it, practically we start to understand that there's um, fear should be less of a demotivator and more of a motivator. I'll tell you a story. In my life, okay, well, I'll tell you the principle and then I'll tell you the story behind it. So in my life, I, I recognize fear. I know, what it feel, I know what it feels like when I'm afraid of something. I know exactly how to, how to recognize the pit in my stomach. The, my, my chest gets cold. Um, I start breathing a little bit heavier. My chest feels really tight, like I can't breathe. I know that feeling. And I also know, uh, based on this experience that I'm going to tell you, that uh, I have to act on that feeling immediately. I've conditioned myself to immediately act. So basically, the minute I recognize I'm afraid of something, I have to do it. And I've I've taught I've I've basically conditioned myself to actually do that. So when I was a kid, I used to we used to do high adventure stuff at a lot of the lakes in Arizona, and we went to one. Actually, this was a Havasupai trip. So this was in the lake. This was up northern Arizona at Havasupai, which is oh, it's such an amazing place. You got to go check it out. But um we're there and we're, we go cliff jumping at this one spot. And so we're there, we're cliff jumping. It's fun. Everyone else is growing up and jumping and everything's fun. And I get there and I go up to the spot where they're jumping from. And I I walk to the edge of the rock. And for an instant, I felt that fear grip me and this hadn't happened yet. I mean, I'd felt fear before, but this experience that I had, uh, hadn't quite happened yet. And I, when I stepped to the edge and I, and I, (laughs) <laughs> when I walked up on high and I stepped to the edge to see my world below, um, 
that's just a little collective soul reference for some of you out there. Anyway, I walked to that edge and I, and I realized in that moment, if I didn't jump right then, like immediately, if I didn't immediately just jump, I never would because I was too afraid. And so I did, I just jumped. And from that moment on, every time I feel that, I'm reminded of that experience every time I feel that fear and I go, I jump. Uh, some, a lot of time, cliff jumping actually has been one of the things. It's one of those, you just, you step to the edge and you jump. You don't wait, you don't think, you don't worry about it. You don't let the fear grip you, you just go. Because the minute you let that fear grip you, you're done, you're toast. It's not, nothing's happening from there. So, um, so interestingly enough about fear, I think, number one, it's good to, to, to give us an indication of things that are dangerous or things that are not uh, familiar to us to help us to, to understand where we're going in life. But also, I think using fear as a motivator, and when you can train yourself to run towards the, th- the thing that you're afraid of instead of running away from it, um, you'll find, I think, most of the time that it's an emotional, internal thing. The fear is not coming from the thing you think you're afraid of. The fear is coming from inside of you. You're afraid of something else, and it just manifests itself in that situation. So for me, I've been afraid of just little random, uncomfortable situations my whole life. I, I get... Even, you know, I remember so many times when I was in in Ukraine and in Russia where if I would meet somebody that I didn't know um, or I was in a new area, my Russian would get really bad. Like my grammar would be terrible, my vocabulary would go, and I'd I'd struggle quite a bit speaking in Russian. And I always always attributed it to the fact that it it was in a new situation. Basically, I was just afraid of looking like an idiot in front of these new people. Like, I have pretty good Russian. I speak pretty well and I've studied really hard and I studied it in, in college, but in some instances I can get nervous. I can get, um, anxious and then it, then it just sort of goes out the window. And, uh, that's the case in a lot of situations, even performing, you know, singing, um, in front of people, playing the guitar in front of people, playing the piano in front of people. Um, public speaking never really has been, uh, that way. But, uh, but a lot of the, the sort of exposing talent or exposing, um, artistry or creativity has been a little bit more um, difficult, and I think it, the underlying piece is, is is fear. And I, you know, I didn't realize I, I never let that stop me, so to speak. Like I, I performed a lot in college. Um, I performed for people here at the house, uh, music, you know, piano and, and guitar and stuff like that. And I, I I enjoy it, but there's still that sort of pit of fear in my stomach. And it wasn't until I started Muay Thai and and really discovered that there was a, a base level of fear. That's really the point where I understood that all that stuff was fear. Like I wasn't really letting myself think that it was fear that was keeping me from doing some of those things because I didn't want to be the guy who was afraid. You know, we don't want to be afraid, right? And so I was kind of making up excuses for what was happening and how I was feeling and why I was feeling that way. And so, um, so I think you know, putting myself into a situation now where physically I'm, I'm afraid of, well, I mean, with, with sparring, especially at the very beginning, when I started doing Muay Thai, it was, it was just terrifying to get up and, and not only, not only do you have to get up and do something, but you have to respond to what somebody else is doing. That's the same thing with dancing. This actually is a great example. I'm terrified of dancing. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's not, I can't, I can't play off my, to myself that I know what I'm doing. Because I got somebody else who nine times out of 10 is way better at it than I am um, across the way. And as a guy, I'm supposed to be leading. 
I'm supposed to have a better idea of what's going about to happen than the other person does. It doesn't mean I plan it out necessarily. It just means I'm supposed to lead. I'm supposed to guide the process. And, you know, even if, it, for me, what happens is it's not even just you got to guide the process. It's you have to make this not boring for the other person. I'll dance sometimes with, with real, with dancers, with professional dancers. And the anxiety is not even, am I doing the steps right? Although that definitely comes in. The anxiety is, I'm totally boring this girl. Like she could be with that guy over there who's, who's an amazing dancer. He's doing all sorts of fancy twists and stuff like that. But I'm sitting over here, you know, I got my, my basic step back and forth. I got, I got two turns maybe. And, and it, it's, you know, there's that, that fear and uneasiness around that lack of control. And, uh, but I never really identified it as fear because I didn't have any, anything to relate it to. But I, again, once I started Muay Thai, I, start, I, I, was, I was shown myself. I was shown the fear that I had. And now it becomes clear to me that, it's, that a lot of that stuff is fear. So now, if, again, as soon as I feel that fear, somebody says, hey, you want to go dancing? I am terrified out of my mind, but I always say yes. Um, and I go and I do it, and it's always a good, fun experience. And it's never as bad as I imagine it's going to be even though there still is that fear there. So I think, I think fear in general, I think we just have a, uh, an unhealthy relationship with it. Um, and I think if we were to use fear as a tool to drive us to, do, to, to become better and to do things that we want to do and to get things that we want to get, I think we would find that we would get more things. That's kind of, kind of the point of that thing. Um, well, that actually kind of got through fear a lot, a lot quicker. Well, maybe I'll talk about some practical examples of fear. I think, I think a lot of times in life we attribute, um, the wrong emotion. Well, we, we, we don't acknowledge fear correctly. So, you know, we'll do things, um, and we'll say, oh, it's because of, you know, reason a, but really it's because we're afraid of losing something. Right. So in like in a relationship, you can have a, a fear of losing control and, and a losing control of your life and going into a place that you don't ever want to go to. And so you can structure all of your actions and your beliefs and your, and your reactions to other stimuli around that, around not losing control. Um, or you can, you can, you know, a lot of times guys will go into relationships and they'll spend their whole time terrified that the girl's going to cheat on them, right? Or the guy, the other way around, the girl will spend their whole time afraid that the guy is going to cheat on her or that he's going to treat her bad. Um, and they never, we never really give life around us a chance to just prove to us what it's going to be. And I think because we're afraid of things, uh, we're, we're on guard. So we're very anxious and we're very cautious and we won't take certain risks and we won't do certain things because we're afraid of what the consequences might be. Well, my philosophy in life has always been act I mean, I, I've always just sort of acted with, as a, I'm extremely optimistic. I just act in, 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 in as, op optim, as optimistically as I can. And I think, oh, this, could, this is going to go great. Everything's going to be fine. You know, I don't need to worry about uh, this stuff backfiring and how things are going to go poorly. Because two things happen. Number one, if things go poorly, things go poorly. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a learning experience. There, there's, there, I think there's also this, I know I grew up with this fear of, uh, of wanting to not be wrong ever, like not wrong in the sense of like being perfect, but wrong in the sense of like guessing wrong, like not getting the right answer. 
we don't want to not get the right answer. And so we'll, we won't say anything for a while and we'll research and we'll do all these things and we'll study and then we'll, we'll make a, an educated guess. But then if, you know, if we're wrong, then it doesn't really work out. And I think there are some instances when that makes sense, but I think all too often we avoid, uh, just, just doing it, just going. I know there's a huge, there's a huge flow right now of people in jobs that don't like the job that they're in and are, uh, have ideas to, to build their own businesses, but they're afraid to make the jump because they want to make sure that they have their, their income covered. Right. And in some instances, I understand it makes sense. You have, have wives and kids and you have to support them and you can't just, you know, the risk, the, the ROI on leaving your job and starting your own business has to be high enough. The potential reward has to be high enough to risk basically everything. Now, for someone like me, it's a little bit different. I can, I can quit a job at any moment. I can fire a client. I could bring on a new client ad hoc, willy nilly, however I want, because it's just me. And I know I can, I know I can hustle for my rent. And I got, you know, people that can help out if if things get weird. But I think, I think it's important that we not uh, spend all of our time afraid like that. Because I mean, even in that situation, like where you're in a, you know, you have a job, um, what, what you don't realize is every second you spend in a job you don't like is t- it's time you just don't get back, right? And being afraid of something going wrong uh, doesn't change the likelihood of it going wrong. And preparing for something going wrong doesn't change the likelihood of it going wrong. We just sort of have to, to, to do, to be. We just have to be and live and, and do what we want to do. And then, and then things happen and they're that those are called consequences of actions. Things happen. We live with those consequences. We learn. There's nothing anywhere that says we're supposed to get it right the first time. Nowhere does it say we're supposed to get it right the first time or the second time or the third time. The whole point of life is to continue to live and continue to learn and continue to grow and get better. But it's not about being perfect. At least I don't think so. So I think it's important um, just to keep that thought in mind, you know, don't try and do it perfectly every time. I mean, I think about, I think about uh, like Muay Thai, for example, so everything comes back to Muay Thai, but there's this thing that Dennis and I have been talking about recently and some other people that we, that we train with in order for you to learn how to throw a certain type of combination or a certain type of weapon, like for example, a spinning back kick, which is where I'm facing you this way. And then I turn around. And I throw my heel at your liver. I actually turn around the other way. I throw my right heel at your liver, which is on. Is that right? Turn this heel, and I want to throw it there. Yeah, that's right. I want to throw it on your liver. So I hit you with my right heel. Uh, but it's kind of a complicated and awkward kick to throw because it's not na- it's not really natural. Um, but the way that you learn to throw it is by throwing it, which sounds so counterintuitive. Because you think, oh, I don't want to throw it. I don't want to look like an idiot. And you do look like an idiot the first few times you throw it. But that's the way that you learn to throw that particular kick. And I think in life, in general, that's, I think that's just a metaphor for what the rest of life is like. Sometimes you just have to try it. You just have to do it. And learn by doing. Learn by failing. Gary Vaynerchuk says this all the time. He's like, I love failing. I love failure. That's where the work starts. Um, Dan, uh, what's his face? Dan Kennedy, brilliant copywriter, probably one of the most famous direct marketing copywriters, the most expensive for sure. Um, also a, a digital marketing consultant. He has said all the time, the work starts as soon as you get to, get to that 
failure, to the negative, to the no. As soon as it doesn't work the way that you want to, then you, then you have something to work with, right? And the same thing as like, like, like being undefeated as a boxer or as a kickboxer in the MMA, in MMA, in the MMA, <laughs> in the UFC or in MMA. You, you're only undefeated until you're not. And it almost seems like as soon as you're not undefeated, then you don't have that to worry about anymore. I was listening to uh, the fight commentary, um, fight companion that Joe Rogan did with all those guys about UFC 198, I think it was, or 199. Um, the, or not the, not the card, no, no. It was the fight, pa- the, the, uh, fight night a couple weeks ago. And they were talking, there was a couple of people that were undefeated who, got, who, got, um, who were defeated, so to speak. And, you know, you talk about a lot of times people that are undefeated, they ride this high and there's a, there's a, a fear of losing, but not just because of losing, but rather because you don't want to break the clean streak, even though you may have 15 fights. And if you've won all of them, 16, you know, 15 and one is a great record, right? And you learn from that. I mean, 15 and five is a great record, but to be 15 and one you know, not everybody's going to be Floyd Mayweather. Not everybody's going to be that much of a prodigy and, and have that much skill and just, just tear people up. Like, not everyone's going to be able to, to go that far and never get touched, right? I mean, think about in the UFC. The UFC is a great example of this. Think about all the fighters that were supposed to be the next Wonder Boys. You had Ronda Rousey. You got Sage Northcutt. You got Conor McGregor. All these different people. And the undefeated thing comes to an end. And the difference between them and really the thing that, that indicates whether or not they're a true champion is what they do after they lose for the first time. Okay? Because, I mean, you take Conor McGregor, for example. He's like, I lost. I did. All right, we're going to learn from it. We're going to come back. We're going to be stronger. It's going to be fine. Ronda Rousey, a little bit less positive of a reaction. She kind of dropped off the map. Um, she hasn't really said much. You know, she said some kind of snarky things to some some reporters, but... But you can see kind of the difference, you know, how, how people are responding to those, to those inputs. And, it, you know, that fear keeps them from being able to embrace what's happened. And they, you know, they find themselves in situations where it's, you know, the world seems to be going against them. Um, but really it's not. And, and, and I, I honestly think that the fear, the more afraid you are of losing when you're undefeated, the more it's going to affect you when you lose. And I honestly think that. Ronda Rousey was terrified of losing and losing that undefeated streak. And I think that's why it affected her the way that it did. Um, you can see strong-willed people. You know, Conor McGregor's a great example. People that are undefeated. I mean, he wasn't actually undefeated. He was just on a really good, a really long winning streak, right? Um, and he comes in and, and he gets beat. And, but he learns from it. And he's going to come back and he's going to fight again. He's going to keep going. Um... So I think that's, uh, I, I hope I made that, that made sense. We, we can't let fear paralyze us. Fear's fine. Fear's good. It's the, it's what we do with it that matters or how we let it affect us. That makes the difference, I should say. Um, well, okay. So I think I've, I've beaten that one to death. Um, so I want to talk about the other thing I wrote down here is, uh, I wrote down conversation and respect. And uh, interestingly enough, you know, I I had a conversation not too long ago. And um, a lot of times when you approach a conversation, 
you can uh, you can do so in a way. How do I put this? Okay, I'm gonna put it this way. So, um, a lot of times you can you can have progress in a vacuum, and try to uh, impose that progress on somebody else. So let me explain what I mean by that. How many times have you uh, not had contact with somebody for a long time? And a bunch of stuff happens in your life and you go back to that person and you're disappointed because he doesn't seem like they've changed, like they're the same person. Or uh, what about in a situation where um, you, well, actually, you may not actually recognize the situation. So let me just explain to you kind of what happened. So I had a conversation, got kind of heated, I got kind of upset, said some nasty things. I let myself go there, which I think is important. I don't think anybody should be, going back to fear, I don't think anybody should be afraid of being angry or afraid of getting upset, or afraid of, like, we, we talk too often about, um, like, you only, only you can let yourself become upset. I think that's a great, I think that's a great idea, and I think that's a great sentiment. I don't think it works in practicality to think that way. Uh, all it does is create passive-aggressive resentment. <laughs> and long-term, that doesn't actually help you. So having this idea that oh I you know it's 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 immature of me to be upset because I'm just letting somebody else let you know I'm letting somebody else have control over my emotions. Yeah, at at its core, yeah, that's what's happening. You are letting the other person, you know, take control and and control how you're feeling and you're 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 basically making yourself upset and you're blaming them. But the 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 practicality of it is uh if you don't let yourself be upset. If you don't let yourself go there, then you're just going to hold on to it. You have to do, you have to kind of dive through the anger. You have to feel it all the way out. Just, ah, if you're angry, just be angry. Do you want to scream and swear? You got to scream and swear. Do it. Go into it. Let it all out. Cause otherwise it'll, it's like, it's like if you have a pot of boiling water or a pot of water and you turn it on sort of simmer and you kind of get it going. The heat kind of turns up slowly and slowly and slowly and never really reaches a full boil, but the bubbles start to form and you turn it up a little bit more and then you put it like on that medium heat where the heat keeps coming in and then it starts to kind of rolling boil. And then every once in a while, it'll just like, you'll hear that, that of some little bit of water that's coming out and, and, and spilling down the side and hitting the, the grill. That's, you know, you hear that sound. And, uh, and that's, that's essentially what happens in life is we, we let all that water just sort of boil over and, you know, just sort of simmer and it, it doesn't ever really ever come to full fruition. It just sort of seeps out every once in a while, but there's, we're still just a teeming mass of broiling emotions down here. Whereas if we were to take the thing off, crank up the heat all the way, throw all the ingredients in and just let it bubble over, um, eventually it's going to boil itself out, Right. You, you turn it, turn it, no matter how much water you got, you turn it, you boil it, it's going to be gone at some point. So you might have a lot of water. You might have a lot of pent up frustration and, and resentment for something. So maybe it's going to take you a long time to work through all the anger, but you've got to go there. You got to let yourself be angry because it'll, it'll, it will deplete your reserves of that negative energy. And it puts you in a place where you can mend fences. It's interesting. I've talked a lot in the past about. Uh, well, I've talked not in the podcast, but at some point, actually, you know what? At some point, I'm going to have to talk about verbal sparring. This is going to be awesome. Verbal sparring. Something that I think is super important in relationships, learning how to spar. Um, 
every once in a while when you spar, you have to just kind of, you know, throw caution to the wind and go balls to the wall. You got to throw hard. A couple of weeks ago, I trained, I, I sparred with one of my trainers and he was throwing hard and I was throwing hard and it was, it, it was awesome. And it kind of, you know, you, you got to let that stuff out. And same thing in a relationship with people, people, somebody makes you upset. You got to let them have it. You got to, you got to, you got to do you, you got to, there has, it has to be a real sparring match. You know, it's got to be real or, or it's not, it's never really going to work. If you're always just sort of dancing around each other and it's like, oh no, I'm, I'm too good to get angry. No, you're not. You're human just like the rest of us. Nobody's too good to get angry. <laughs> Mia's, I think, getting a little bit warm over there. You, can, I mean, you might be able to hear her breathing in the background. Anyway, so I think uh, we'll talk more about the sparring concept later, but I think, I think it's important to, uh, to feel those emotions and not be afraid to be human, not be afraid to go there um, in those situations. And then um, when you're having a conversation... Don't be a, don't let pride keep you from doing what you want to do. So I had this conversation. I got upset. I said some things. The other person said some things. Uh, and at the end of it, it was like, well, fine, forget you. I'm out. I don't, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And so I, well, in a huff and I, you know, did all this stuff. And then I took a little bit of time and did some thinking and, and kind of cooled down and zenned out a little bit and realized, you know what? It wasn't really what I thought. I kind of attributed too much negativity to what this person was trying to do and attributed too much like it was disrespectful what she, what, what the person was saying and uh, and had a, had a conversation with Dennis. Dennis is like my therapist, by the way. It's awesome. We're like each other's therapists. But I uh, had a great conversation and sort of calmed down and I got I, I got very quickly to a place where I was like, all right, I'm good. And had I stayed in that place, here's what would have happened. If I had just stayed and not gone back to this person and apologized and, and sort of said, look, I was a bit of an asshole, like, let's, let's mend fences here. Um, what would have happened is I would have, I, would have, I would have progressed emotionally and spiritually in a vacuum, meaning I, I entered this conversation thusly, I, I participated in taking the conversation to a negative place, broke off from the conversation and so now I'm here and the other person's here right in this negative place I've come to a more positive place all on my own right and I'm feeling good I'm feeling fine but what I what I realized that I needed to do was bring this person to that same place with me because otherwise you're you know you're just having this conversation in a vacuum and and you can get over something but the other person might be seething about it and they might be really offended and they might be really hurt. And if you don't go back to them and say, listen, I'm sorry, um, or it's not necessarily even just sorry, but you go just, if you don't go back to them and say, look, here's, here's the deal. Like this happened. I talked about this. I kind of cooled down. I've had some time to think, like I feel differently about it. Um, there's a, there's a much more likelihood of actually repairing, you know, the wounds that are forming, you know, because you, you're, you're actually going back and you're, you're experiencing the whole thing together, right? Because the last thing you want to do is go back to that situation and be all zenned out while the other person's still upset. Because number one, practically, it doesn't help anybody for you to be zenned out while the other person's upset. It's, just, it's, just, it's a very annoying. But also, um, it doesn't allow you to grow in the sense of caring about the fact that you created that situation just as much as the other person did. So I'm not, when I say be angry, I'm not saying be angry and then don't take responsibility for it. 
right? Just own up to the fact that you were angry. Be angry. Be honest with who you are and what you're and what's happening, and then deal with deal with the consequences. If it means you know, if you're married and you get mad, and instead of being passive aggressive and and holding all of your emotions in, you just let your spouse have it, and you just yell and you you know throw things and you just Wah! and then and then he sleeps on the couch and you go for a drive and go sleep at your mom's for a couple of nights like you got to go to that level for you to really appreciate number 1 the good times but also to really let that out because if you hang on to it all you're going to have is resentment for your whole life and nobody wants to be in a relationship that's full of resentment which is why you get divorced <laughs> when you're in a relationship that's full of resentment so i think it's really important to learn that 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 type of verbal sparring or emotional sparring. And I'll, I'll talk more about sort of the, what I think is the concept of that and how that works in a future episode. But, um, but that's kind of the idea is you want to make sure that you, that you participate and that you really, it goes back to honesty. I mean, I've talked about this before. You, you want to know who you are. You want to know what you like, what you don't like, what you want. And then you got to go for it. You got to be, you got to be emotionally invested in it. It kind of goes back to the comment there's a quote that talks about when you want to succeed as badly as you want to breathe, then you'll then you'll succeed. And I think I talked about in episode one or two, not two, but I think I may have talked in one of the episodes about how it's not so much wanting like I like I want to breathe, but rather needing to breathe. Right, um, needing for that for that to happen. It needs to be sort of natural and instinctual. And so I think it's, I I just think it's super important that you, that you let all of that out and that you be, you be honest, um, with who you are and what you are and, and not try and be something that you're not. And I think that, that, that goes all the way to being angry, uh, getting upset, reacting certain ways, that kind of stuff. Like just, you can't hold it in. It doesn't help. It actually makes it worse. Anyway, so um, that's all I want to talk about today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, in, in one of the coming episodes, first of all, we're really excited about next week. We're going to be doing some fight companion stuff about for Thursday and Friday. There's lots of fights going on next week, so it's going to be a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, also, probably this weekend, maybe, we're going to do the, um, the Avengers UFC champions thing. We're kind of excited about that. Um, so stay around, stay tuned for that. Stick around and, and, and thanks again for listening. And again, if you have questions or, um, you want to talk about things, uh, hit me up on Twitter, hit me up, you know, set, put a comment on, on the, in the Facebook group or Instagram or wherever, and I'll be happy to talk to you about it. So again, uh, one more time, I'm going to say, go ahead and click subscribe below and go ahead and subscribe to the iTunes podcast. Even if you don't listen to it, just cause it makes me look good. That would be, I would appreciate that greatly. Um, and also there's one thing that I'm thinking about doing that I've kind of, maybe I should get your opinion on. I'm thinking about changing, not posting these videos on YouTube, but rather posting them on the Facebook page because that way they'll play a little bit easier. So if you have an opinion, let me know and, uh, we'll go with that. So super excited to be doing this podcast. I'm, I'm, we're going to have some more equipment coming in that'll allow us to have more guests on. We're going to be having guests on soon. Um, I'm excited about that and I'm excited to continue to do this. Hopefully the content gets better and we'll, we'll talk about other things than just the rambling 
things that come off the top of my head. So thanks everybody again for listening. This is Brett Martineau, and you're listening to La Podcast, and I will talk to you tomorrow.